0: Hey everybody! This is Sam, that girl with the curls, bringing you another awesome episode of the podcast. Uh, this is actually episode ninety-four, which means we're only six away from episode a hundred or one hundred, however you want to say it. Uh, which is just weird to me, really bonkers. Uh, didn't I don't know what I expected out of this, quite, quite frankly. Um, as much as it sometimes is a lot of work to get people on the podcast to talk about whatever, I mean. It's like that for probably any podcast, but especially for smaller ones like this one. Um, I didn't know if I would ever make it to a triple-digit number. So, you know, we're getting there slowly. It takes a while sometimes, but uh, definitely going to get to episode 100. And after that, who knows? But uh, looking forward to it. Looking forward to you listening to it. But mostly looking forward to you listening to this episode, which is Annalise Ophelian the director of the forthcoming documentary Looking for Leia which is all about uh, ostensibly Star Wars first but is also about the relationship of female fandom to things like Star Wars or anything in the kind of science fiction fantasy realm uh, be it movies, television, books, anything like that. So it's really fascinating. I love the trailer Uh, it's, uh, it's just it just looks great and I can't wait for it to come out and Annalise was great Everyone's great. Um, just really funny and uh, topical, and we didn't just talk about Star Wars. I mean, that's the thing. We we ended up talking about the Wonder Twins and the DC universe of movies, which because that's just what happens sometimes, especially on this show. Um, we also talked about the Adams Family and uh, a lot of other stuff because that's what I l- want the show to be as much as it is about promoting the the guests work it's also about just kind of taking some time to relax and geek out over the things that we like um or explore what that topic means to us so uh, hopefully that comes across uh if not let me know (laughs) I, i know that the internet is never shy about its opinion but uh other than that if you would just like to sit back and relax please do so with episode 94 and annalise ophelian
1: I'm just i'm quitting out of every possible thing they could beep on us here so sorry this is me
0: just making. oh for sure no problem uh I, there there might be some sound my my mom and my nephew are uh down the hall so if you hear a baby at some point uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Awesome>. <laughs> we're a multi-generational household right now so i love it that's
1: perfect, that's perfect. <laughs> i know it's, i i had been Several chihuahuas, and I was letting one of them podcast with me for a bit there. there and then she got into this habit where, like, after the 30 minute point, she'd be like, I'm bored. And so she just started this kind of like, whoof, whoof. <laughs> and I was
0: like, yeah, maybe not. No, I've I done it. Uh, I had a, I had a couple podcasts. Like, one, uh, 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 there was a bird in the background, <laughs> just kept chirping up. And it was like, fine. I mean, you've got to roll with it. You can't tell someone to just like throw their bird out the window or something. Right? <laughs> yeah. But it's- oh yeah and i've had several where like cats have been in the background so it's just like you know at this point if if you just can't if you can't deal with it it's, this isn't what you should be doing
1: i try to have i do a fair amount of work on skype so i try to create a a professional sounding
0: environment so i'm coming through okay
1: everything you're sounds doing good great how,
0: how do i sound to you you sound fine great crystal clear I uh uh yeah, I've been getting over a cold lately, so I'm I'm all up in the nasal category right now. Oh sorry about that. <laughs> oh man, it's just like it just hit over the weekend and you're just like, No, why? <laughs> so rough My so voice, rough. my beautiful voice. Um <laughs> <laughs> and it can chest colds
1: at least you get that good kind of dummy more husk for a little while. Right, yeah. The worst.
0: Head cold and you're just like, I sound like this all day now. <laughs>
1: Probably much more in your head than to others, so to me you sound totally great. Perhaps, yeah,
0: exactly, there we go, like, I'm only my, I'm my own worst enemy, basically, at this point, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, But we are recording, so just letting you know that it's it's just great. been going, but um, before we start, when um, I do put this out, which will probably be, like, late this coming Friday, maybe Saturday, um, do you want it to be billed as uh, Annalise Ophelian, or do you want it to be looking for Leia?
1: I'm happy with whatever feels like it's the most sort of useful for you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I think right now the film is where most folks seem to be interested mm-hmm. in my work. I personally am a fangirl and love being able to just kind of throw down about geeky things. So, there we go. So, you know, if you want to kind of use both in your intro and then when we're done talking, it might feel like it's one way or the other for you. I, I feel I feel fabulously open. For sure. I'll... I'll tweet it out on my social media so however you end up doing it, it'll it either be like our director talked to or it'll be like looking for Leia got to talk about this
0: so no no we can talk about whatever your geeky heart desires it doesn't just have to be Star Wars and uh looking for Leia either so we'll we'll, we'll see where the conversation goes I like to, I don't I don't like to have like notes or anything it's always kind of loosey-goosey so love it, we'll love see it. where it goes <laughs> um but that being said uh as a kind of uh Just get this one out of the way. Uh, Annalise Ophelia, welcome to That Girl with the Curls. Thank you for coming on the show. Yay, I love being here. Thanks. Yay! Um, So, uh, basically, origin story on this uh, podcast, uh, you are a filmmaker, and you are doing a documentary called Looking for Leia that uh, you're currently filming right now, right? That's right. And uh, for those who are not aware of what it is, could you uh, explain it as, as long form or short form as you'd like?
1: You bet. My elevator spiel has got to be, you know, kind of polished by now. I used to say it was like a walk the dog around the block spiel, but I've got, I have got—I think I got the elevator down. Um, so Looking for Leia is a feature-length, or will be a feature-length documentary film exploring uh, Star Wars fandom from the perspective of the girls and women of Star Wars fandom. So it's its getting to have a very sort of unique look at the way that fangirls express themselves um, and share their love of the galaxy far, far away.
0: In a, yeah, I watched the um, the trailer uh, a couple of times uh, before we started talking, and it just kind of it 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 blew me away. Not only it, because you call it looking for Leia, but when you see these uh, these women talking to you about their experiences with Star Wars, Leia actually doesn't come up a lot, at mm-hmm. least in what you've shown. Um, I
1: think like Leia is such a jumping off point, you mm-hmm. know. And it's interesting, and the, and as I talk with folks, certainly huge numbers of people I'm talking with are vastly um, Leia-centered, they're, Mm -hmm. like, hugely, like, you know, Leia was the thing that allowed them sort of entry into geek space or Mm -hmm. into Star Wars, but, yeah, it's not limited to that character in any way.
0: Yeah, no, and I I thought that was just really interesting because, I mean, it gets, it's so easy to just boil it down to, oh, Leia's a girl, you're a girl, so that must have been your entry point. It's like, well, as a girl who only gets, like, one character in every, Thing that's considered boys' territory, quote unquote um you know it's we usually either have to pick the girl or we have to attach ourselves to a male character because they get the range of personality traits right um it's like I mean might you yeah, we're probably in the around the same generation here, so uh you know you see these cartoons where it's you know the the five man band and there's the chick, the one girl uh-huh. <laughs> and and, and yeah. they're just like hey. You like this girl, right? She wears pink, and girls like pink, right? Or, or you're into her slutty counterpart on the, uh, the, the evil side. It's like, well, I know.
1: <laughs> and how is it that in science fiction, right, when there's like the evil dimension for men, you just get a goatee. Yeah. The evil dimension for women is always to be a little trampy. Like, I, I'm like uh-huh. really because it's. You know, you're, it's showing. Your slip is showing.
0: <laughs> no, exactly. It's it's so interesting how they... Tra- it's like, the here's how we're going to show shorthand. Uh, guys get goatees and kind of like more exaggerated evil features. Girls, your skirt is just a little shorter. Okay. I mean... I mean, and
1: having said that, I am a stalwart for Evil Willow, right? <laughs> like, there's times when that really works and mm-hmm. like... You know, I wish Buffy never came to Sunnydale. Willow is possibly my favorite Willow. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's that proof, right? Where you're just like, well, how do we make Willow evil? I know, let's put her in a corset and make her a little sexy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, it definitely, okay. like, worked for her, right? I mean, like you said. Well, well, like, yeah, sometimes it works because she's such a shy, violet kind of person. So it's just like, well, yeah, what well, what would be the exact opposite of Will's, like, confident sexy Will right now? Right, yeah, I know, no, no, no
1: complaints whatsoever, but exactly. it's,
0: it's always, it's funny to
1: me, whereas like, Xander just gets to wear black. Yeah.
0: It's <laughs> like, well,
1: Xander's gonna wear a leather jacket and a tank top, so that's, boom, instantly evil. They should
0: have given him, like, a beard or something, like a... <laughs> I know, they could have given him the Spock goatee, right? Oh like, yeah, evil yeah. Or, Spock
1: goatee,
0: but... I, I love that, because South Park, I, I remember, did an episode where they, it was, like, the evil counterpart to Cartman was actually the good counterpart, but he still had a goatee. T- <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I, I really would wish they, they would do... Um, and this is one of those things with, with women in media that I'm always kind of looking for, is not only, like, really zany women characters. I mean, like, Kate McKinnon gets to play all of these women uh. In, uh, in, in movies right now, but I want more, like, actual, like, slapstick-oriented women and also women who get to, like... It, it, like you know, if you if you see your evil counterpart, where why wouldn't a woman have a beard? That'd be kind of interesting, wouldn't it? I love that. It's, I mean, it's
1: just funny what we code, right? Like what mm-hmm. do we semiotically code as
0: evil. Yeah, um, exactly. And
1: yeah, it's, it's, I'm like, okay, short skirts and a and a goatee. Good to good to know. It's like some go-go
0: <laughs> boots, you know. It's like it just goes back to that mod '60s kind of style. Like that's inherently evil now. Right, right, right. I, did Scooby-Doo start all of this? Where did this start? There's clearly, I, like, there's an origin to how, how we, like, how visually we label. code <laughs> no, the, it's, the alternate
1: dimension version.
0: Did Scooby-Doo, oh man, now I gotta think, like, did the 60s Scooby-Doo ever go to an alternate universe?
1: I feel like there was, but I could be completely making that up. That's there, it. I'll, I will Google that and, and see if you can get it for your show notes. There we go,
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, we could just go, I mean, I, I think that's why I really like the Adams Family, too, is because you have... You know, you have Morticia, who is a woman who by all counts, like in in every version of how we code this, she would be the villain, you know? And, and she's actually the warmest, like, mothery, you know, she's, uh, especially in the TV show, in the movie, they went more with the aloof, you know, Angelica Houston-like, right. but, which worked as well. But in the TV show, she was just kind of like, oh, no, I'm just your average mom. <laughs> like,
1: fully. No, she was just like a slightly goth June Cleaver, right? Exactly. Like, I always, I'm always surprised because I love the film version. I love the Angelica Houston rendition of that character so mm-hmm. much. But I'll watch the TV show occasionally because, you know, TV. Why not? And um And, yeah, and I'm always... I'm always struck by how actually conventional as a, like, mom and homemaker she is. Yeah. <laughs> Character, You're like, oh, that's, like, super
0: sweet. It's like her and Gomez are just, like, they're still really into each other. They love their kids. They just all happen to be, you know, really in the Halloween. <laughs> uh, it's,
1: you know, and it's seriously, like, regardless of, like, television show and to movie, right, like, that's, I do feel like Morticia and Gomez are, like, the relationship goals for so many people I know, including myself. We're yep. just like, that's it. You
0: just want I'm, I'm basically like, I mean, I, I looked like Wednesday Adams for a very long time in terms of just skin pallor and hair color. And it was just like, no, this appeals to me. I think that a Gomez in my life would be very, would be very good for me. (laughs) It's like that or Lurch, you know, a guy just doesn't talk a lot or something like that.
1: My my partner, had, um, I'm totally outing my partner on podcast now, but really did have like a huge crush on Lurch growing up, um, no, no. <laughs> and I just thought that was like telling eh? But then also, um, you know, like ah, oh, that's an awesome character, like your partner choice. I'm I'm not sure what it says about the fact that they ended up with me, hmm. but I do love that they, you know, like Lurch was definitely there, like oh, that's the that's the crush worthy character
0: <laughs> on this TV show. Just every time he he would you know gutturally growl and roll his eyes, you're just like, yeah, I understand you. You get me.
1: Right, right. Yeah, silent but empathic.
0: The beleaguered butler is just like whatever. <laughs> oh, good. got so off of looking for Leia, but I love it.
1: I know, right? I don't know how we got to the Adams family from there, but I'm, I'm, I'm with
0: you. All roads lead true. to the Adams family for me at times. So. Nice. No. But I think, it, I think it did kind of more, more or less originate from the this idea that. Your, um, your documentary is looking at how women have um, interpreted Star Wars for themselves, how you know, women have, you know, again, we go back to this, this really terrible binary that we have where guys like this and girls like that, and God forbid anything was in, the, in between, um, and that nice. women have always been fans of Star Wars, but the, the, the actual safety of that space hasn't always been there for us. I mean, am I interpreting that correctly? Yeah,
1: absolutely, and it's, you know, it's interesting because the question that I'll get the most often from, um, you know, maybe more kind of guy-centered mainstream spaces is, so all these new women in star wars the, the new characters mm-hmm. that's why we're suddenly seeing this interest in star wars from these folks who weren't traditionally interested in it right which mm-hmm. is to suggest somehow that like star wars and science fiction fantasy geekdom has always been the kind of domain of like men and then like to be even more specific sort of like white cis straight men yeah and that anyone outside of those categories is new to it and and it's you know it's not true Um, Just, you know, kind of flatly And it's wonderful getting to talk with all of these Like this multi-generational group of girls and women About what compels them around their Star Wars fandom And, you know, we were in Seattle filming Mm -hmm. um, at the end of June And I had the great fortune to spend a day with Maggie Nowakowska Who is um, essentially a fanfic historian I mean, she's just got... The most amazing fanzine archive and library, and was showing me through these fanzines, some of which were like, you know, hundreds of pages of just text. Right, the earliest mm-hmm. ones were mimeographed. They were like made on photocopy machines. At a point, there were upwards of a thousand of these. Sort of like in print, they were like annuals because mm-hmm. they were essentially like releasing a, a novel. Um, and 95, ninety five, ninety, ninety five percent of the folks editing and and curating and creating these zines were women. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is between the years of nineteen seventy seven and nineteen eighty two. Right, this yeah. is like early geekdom but it's also story-driven geekdom because i think the other stereotype is that women and girls come to fandom when we see something typically feminine Mm -hmm. like we do it because we think there's a cute boy which is like gloriously heterosexist Or we do it when (laughs) we feel like there's a character that like you know like you say like they wear a lot of pink or i can kind of relate to them Mm -hmm. and not for the like diverse and myriad ways that like Humans come to geekdom, which is that we resonate with stories of a hero or heroine's journey. Mm-hmm. We recognize um, ourselves in um, a sort of experience of alienation or outsider, um, outsiderness, fighting to right or wrong, or create a family of choice. Like all of these, like fundamental themes resonate really deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, women have always been a really strong. Component of you know not you know Star Wars fandom, and I would suggest science fiction and fantasy fandom, um, in general. And it's nice being able to tell those stories. And consistently, when I'm talking with women for the project, um, there is a shared experience of. Just not feeling like there was a lot out there like them, mm-hmm. so a lot of us experienced our fandom in a relative isolation up until just the last couple three years when social media made it more possible. I think to be more connected.
0: Yeah, no, I was I was gonna say like the the um, proliferation of social media basically opened up. I mean, not yeah. just women, but also men, kind of seeing that hey, women have kind of been here for a while. Like we we've been fans. Of a lot of things, like I get a lot of cons that I go to, especially if you ex- if you uh, exhibit any kind of knowledge about something. God forbid you knew something about a superhero or whatever. Where there, it's always a guy, usually a white dude, who's just kind of like, "Where were girls like you and I was growing up?" It's like, <sighs> it's like I don't know. Maybe you guys could have made things feel like more open for me to join your your exclusive club. Right.
1: right, right. Yeah, it's, you know, and it is, it's, there's, it's the, yeah, the, yeah. there's a lot of barricades to mm-hmm. access for these kinds of spaces. Um, and, you know, I do think, like, social media has created all of this access and all of this stuff that's really great. And then it's also created, uh, you know, what I like to kind of describe as, like, the troll picnic, mm. or, like, the, the, like, vast playground for folks who are not excited about things like um, inclusion to... <laughs> You know, talk about it, podcast about it, write about it, um, mm-hmm. and you know, gives them also, I think, a, a real um, like a, a mouthpiece, like a, a, a way to amplify a message that's also really, really crappy. So it's you know, it's a yeah. kind of interesting double-edged sword. Like I'm talking with folks who are moderating Facebook groups and other social media spaces for women in fandom, and just hearing you know, it's, it's this, like, overwhelmingly positive response, but then the stuff that's negative is brutally negative, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, at the level of doxing, receiving threats, receiving kind of grotesque, um, you know, messages, and these, these ways that, um, you know, I think no woman is ever terribly surprised by that, and yeah. also it just sucks that that has to be such a routine part of navigating fandom.
0: Yeah, it's it's like we we all want to enjoy this thing. It's like the the universe of Star Wars, and and similarly, like I mean, you see this also with like Star Trek, like with the the newest show. That's I don't know if it's actually it's coming to Netflix or whatever, like the Journey or whatever, um, where these these fanboys just reacting so negatively to Michelle Yeoh and um, uh, oh I forgot the actress's name who's playing the other lead um she was from, Pone Green. yes that's sorry oh my god uh yeah uh, like just you know, these women of color who are you know oh they just happen to be in charge of this starship and they're like no brr, that's not the way it's like so Jean Rodberry wasn't going for that is that what you're saying Star Trek okay right. cool meanwhile I'm
1: sitting and hoping like oh my god Michelle Yeoh is going to be in a television show oh my god Michelle right Yeoh right is a show. <laughs> so, like I was yeah beyond excited with that casting notice yeah Um, yeah it's it's, an
0: interesting one no go ahead ahead. you were gonna say more sorry (laughs) oh yeah no just
1: to say like I think it's, it's interesting that um for so many I think folks who fall outside of that like mainstream dominant status quo paradigm, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I know what it's like. I cosplay as Han Solo. I know what it's like. I think a lot of women understand the experience of relating deeply to male characters because we are used to having to kind of, like, jump that Mm -hmm. moat. Yeah, because um, because a lot of media is not set up for us. And then I think when you get intersectional with it, then like, you know, queer women and women of color and disabled women and like, you know, women who were like, you know, are not from the United States, like every interaction of those factors just exponentiates that. Um yeah. And I think that it's always interesting to me when folks then start freaking out about these leads, where I'm just like, yo, I've been connecting with your, like, straight white dudes as leads for my entire life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you can do it. Like, Sinequa Martin-Green is, like, awesome. So get there. <laughs> like, it's, you're going to be okay. You can, you know, sit back and, like, try identifying and, and like, dig the stories that these folks are telling us, because mm-hmm. these are these are really fabulous folks or is that sense that like we have to insert someone to make it palatable. Like we have to, um, I think about what was the Miles Davis, um, document or not documentary. It was a biopic, um, mm-hmm. that came out that they kind of like created, you know, they had to insert when McGregor is like a central character, in this, <laughs> um, Jesus you know, or, like the immortal life of Henry of the Sacks. we got to make sure to get Rose Byrne in there. Like we have to have someone holding it down for this, um, kind of status quo representation to make it relatable
0: and i'm like i I, I think it's It's like totally clearly only white people are going to see this these movies right right i mean we got to make it palatable for them it's like no you, you don't like i mean and i think like even the the latest box office you know uh has, has proven that with, like, Hidden Figures and Wonder Woman and, I mean, the upcoming Black Panther, like, all of these oh, yeah. movies that are female-led, women of color-led, you know, uh, black, you know, yeah. You know, it's 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 all there and it's all just waiting for the audience because they want it. It's yeah. like, I, I made me really happy when I read that Wonder Woman is now the highest-grossing domestic box office of any of the DCEU movies. It's like, that's right! That's right, guys! Like, <laughs> It's not just Batman and Superman anymore. (laughs) I
1: know. When I went to see that, you know, they showed the, um, I'm so not a DCEU person. Oh, go for it. I'm going to say like the Wonder Twins and it's not, it's Justice League. Thank you. Everyone can like at me for that. It's fine. Um, But they showed the Justice League trailer and I was like, oh, y'all are so happy you put Wonder Woman in this.
0: Mm -hmm. Uh,
1: And you know, like we're all there for Aquaman, I think.
0: No, Jason Momoa. Yep. He's good good, Right? Like, I, I'm
1: gay, but no one is that gay, <laughs> is what I'm going to just, like, <laughs> patently say. Like, he's, I'm hoping it's going to be, you know, completely amazing, because he's also just, like, dreamy and delightful as a oh, human at all.
0: Oh, I've been things. a fan yeah. of his since Stargate Atlantis, so... Right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. Geeks no. We all have been also saying, we're like, no, no, we've gone
0: through several, several mm-hmm.
1: shows with these
0: folks. Yeah, it's like, Ronan Dex, I'm nice good. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, it, it. actually, if the Wonder Twins showed up in Justice League, I think it would be better for it at this point.
1: I love the Wonder Twins. I loved how one of them was always some, like, ice animal, yeah. and the other was always a bucket of water. I was <laughs> just like, yeah, go with that. a like, like, little, like, little face floating in the water just so you knew it was still a Wonder Twin in there.
0: It's it's kind um, of like the gr- the Green Lantern construct thing where you're just like, you have all of this imagination at your disposal, and yet, you, wow, you are so limited. Like, right?
1: Those, i years for years i was trying to get my my younger brother who's my like comrade in geekydom mm-hmm. um and definitely like you know was one of my earliest like star wars Companions as well to cosplay the Wonder Twins with me, and I could never get him past the bodysuit. So I was always like, "No, Zach, it'll be great. It'll be just. It'll be super comfortable. It's lavender cat suits." and That was where I could never get him to. Sign
0: like, on. Where did I lose you? Was it at the lavender cat suit? Yeah, it, probably the it
1: lavender cat suit, wasn't it? But you know, those things are stretchy and comfortable. It's basically like you know, get a get a light purple Zentai suit, mm-hmm. and um, <laughs> you know, at the time I had the hair to pull it off more. So it, I think you know, it's, it's less appealing now. But I love the Wonder Twins. <laughs> no. There's I'm like, where's my Wonder Twins? Then that DC would get me excited if they brought some Wonder
0: Twins back. They would get me. So I have, um, I don't know if you know the character Big Barda from the DC universe at all. Um, oh. She's in the Kirby New New Gods, you know, Fourth World area, and I have I have a tattoo of her on my arm. So. Awesome. That's where my fandom starts, you know, uh, rearing its ugly, ugly little head. Um, but, like, if I got a fourth world movie and it was, like, full-on Jack Kirby-esque type, like, I think I would die happy. I would just be like, oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We all have this, though,
1: right? This is the geek shorthand, where we just sit around and say, like, these are the things. Like, mm-hmm. please, will you make this for me? That's exactly. um, the geek voice, by the way. It's totally to me. It's not meant to be anyone else. Um, and, yeah, it's, I like to think of the, like our own Everyone has a short list Mm -hmm. of, like, these are the projects that I want to see.
0: Exactly. Um, And at this point, it's like, we're going to have to make them ourselves.
1: (laughs) I know, right? Well, it cracks me up to see, you know, like, there was all the kind of dream casting for um, live action um, Clone Wars era Anakin and Ahsoka, and, Mm. like, Twitter was going all, you know, star wars twitter was going all bonkers about it and then people would kind of tweet back and they're like this is literally not how it works <laughs> like you don't just tweet a picture of rosaria dawson and then suddenly the live action movie with her happens um and then the like fabulous lupita and youngo rihanna thing happens oh my god right <laughs> and it was like oh or it is it's exactly how it happens just tweet about it enough
0: sometimes twitter works like sometimes <laughs> it works
1: that, Twitter magic, right there, happening. So yeah, so I always love seeing the like, you know, I'm totally on board with the Obi Wan standalone, particularly in Owen Obi Wan standalone. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm like, yes, I have a short list of all my dream projects. As well, well, he's
0: the best thing about the entire prequel stuff. It's just like that was the perfect casting for young Obi Wan, and the rest of it was just like Bleh, whatever. Like
1: you know, let me tell you, this is the thing that I love about making this about making Looking for Leia. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorite. Parts of this as a filmmaker who also has, you know, kind of like skin in the game, right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm certainly like this is a I have this fandom myself. Um, is that like you know most of the folks of our generation have a have a pretty distinctive relationship to the prequels, and mm-hmm. they tend to be fairly unfavorable. Yes, <laughs> at being diplomatic with my language there, mm-hmm. um, and I. In interviewing for this project, I get to talk with women who are younger than me, sometimes mm-hmm. significantly younger. Um, sometimes I am older than their parents, and, <laughs> th- th- and that's awesome because they like to let me know about that. And um, and I get to hear the story of the prequels through their experience of it, mm-hmm. and the the love and enthusiasm and magic and passion and all the things that I feel for the original trilogy, um, and actually now feel for, like, the animated series and the new films and everything, yeah. I could hear those stories through them, and um, and a combination of that and Love and Clone Wars, for me, mm-hmm. has made me have such a deep love for the story of the prequels.
0: I, I can I get still, on I'm that much, with... I can get I'm on board just, with that.
1: Stories of them, and I love seeing people's enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. And if I'd hit it at a different time, I'm sure I, I could have been there along with them, right? Like, it oh, was, for sure, I was exactly the wrong
0: age. When it was about. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and that's the thing. Like the 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 story of like the rise and fall of of a hero is interesting. Like, Absolutely. I I it was one of those things. Like when I I don't know if you ever saw Maleficent. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So I I was very sour on that movie after I left it because it was like you had this chance, Disney that you were probably never going to take, and it was all wishful thinking on my part, to actually, like, tell the origin story of one of your most, like, um, infallibly evil characters. Like, Maleficent in in Sleeping Beauty loves being evil. Like, she's so happy to be evil. Um, And it's like, you could have told that story and still made her a compelling character. Like, it didn't have to be, oh...
1: You felt like they rewrote her to be, like too
0: kind or empathetic it, it became too much of this like we're trying to turn her into the surrogate mother figure to uh, Aurora because it was like well you don't know the real story it's like I didn't really want to know the real story okay. like that's great that's a very... See,
1: I, I always love Maleficent has always been my favorite um Disney villain mm-hmm. right like my whole life it's been like fully team maleficent yeah
0: yeah.
1: and I always felt like she was just bummed because she didn't get a party invite I I know evil you just jilted her because she's you know idiosyncratic and (laughs) and as a result she's going to have what I think is a balanced and appropriate reaction Mm -hmm. and and so I was like I was like I have a lot of understanding for that and I felt like yeah, I, I love that movie. I felt like that movie like did it did all the things I needed it t- to do in a lot of ways. But I appreciate that they. Um... Definitely backpedaled off of the Mistress of All Evil, yeah. and they could have they could have just doubled down on Mistress of All Evil and told an equally compelling
0: story. Yeah, I, I, I will give that. Th- thank you. Uh, I'm glad that my mar- <laughs> my argument has been made and accepted. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. There's room—it's a both and, both and. <laughs> it's well, no, because I, I wrote like a whole thing about it. Like I wrote a review of the movie because, like, I mean, you figure what what a lot of people really remember about Maleficent, not only just the the abject evilness is that she turns into a dragon you know like that's the centerpiece of sleeping beauty it's not really even really about sleeping beauty it's about maleficent versus philip and the fairies um and when she turns into that dragon you're like oh holy shit this is amazing um and that's like the one thing you really want her to do in a maleficent movie and it doesn't happen she never turns into the freaking dragon she turns that crow dude into the dragon you're like what what yeah yeah (laughs) It's like, you had one job, Disney, one job.
1: <laughs> one job. <laughs>
0: Couldn't even do that. Like, ah.
1: And this is what's so tricky about fandom, right, is that I feel like these stories get made, mm-hmm. and then in fandom, they are remade, and they also experience a shift in ownership. Yeah. Because... True fan ownership of our stories is, you know, like it is a fierce and many toothed beast, <laughs> and um, and you know, I, I just have a you know, both as a as a media maker myself, um, and as a you know, avid consumer of fan culture, I really appreciate what it must be like for creatives who are putting this stuff out there, and then their their material, that source material. Takes on, you know, there, there's an there's a kind of alchemical process mm-hmm. in which it takes on something entirely new in fandom, and then fans become protective of it as if these are their, you know, like own little pups in a den, mm-hmm. um, yeah. as we should, because for so many of us, I think those our relationship to these stories is um, it's visceral, right? No, like, definitely it's speaking to something I think really, um, really central and. Um, Often is tied into some of our deepest Senses of identity Our deepest vulnerabilities Our deepest wishes for ourselves Mm -hmm. um, And for the world And so (laughs) when someone then makes a story choice Like I remember um, the third um, X-Men film After loving the first two so much The third one for myself And for I think a lot of um, audiences Felt like it didn't... um, Respect the characters, and it deviated off of what those characters were supposed to do. Yeah, uh, and and there was a sense of like, why are you messing with my with my characters? This is not how they act. This is like, this isn't correct. This isn't true. <laughs> um, and you like, you know, in Star Wars, particularly, see this around the canon debate. Mm. right? when the extended universe was renamed as legends and the folks for whom like their stories lived in the EU and now their stories were basically, you know, like not going to be the subject of the ongoing, I don't know. I I feel like Disney's done actually a lovely job with being able to say, we're going to keep these things in print. We're going to make sure you have access to them. Mm. Like we respect them. They're like out there. Um, but I really can't appreciate how folks are have that that sense of like you've killed my people, you've killed my stories. Yeah,
0: no, um, I, 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 yeah, my so my oldest cousin, uh, he's about he's about ten years older than me. Uh, he's like super Star Wars guy. I mean, and mm-hmm. he, he got his oldest son, who's now god twenty. Oh, that's so weird. Um, his his oldest is also like a huge Star Wars person. He actually his first tattoo is the, um, the moment that Luke and, uh, uh, Darth Vader are kind of facing off. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a super awesome tattoo, uh, but, uh, so when they started talking about, like, the, the EU was, was going to go away in terms of, like, canon for the movies, like, how they were going to kind of progress forward, he got, you know, his, he got a little rankled at that, a little rankled. Um, got to hear about it a few times. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Whereas someone like me, who I, I was mostly just the movies, like I hadn't really like gotten into the books or anything like that. So the EU was more or less like, oh, okay, that's this other thing. And so when they're like, oh, we're streamlining it, like, to me, I was like, well, that makes sense. I mean, you've got all of this stuff that's just gonna bog you down. But yeah, totally. for for someone like my cousin who lived more in that universe because it just expanded everything, you know, to 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 feel like these characters that you've really attached to, you know, for whatever reason, are now no longer like considered a part of this universe in some way. Like that's that's got to be very devastating to a lot of people. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: and it's and it's I think the the challenge around making more media and the you know as a fandom increases all as Time progresses, that, mm-hmm. and that fandom just has more and more years to establish itself. Yeah, um, I, I tip my hat at the task that yes. media creators have when they're dealing with um, c- canonical—not necessarily like in the canon, but like these these canonical figures, these figures in science fiction and fantasy and fairy tale mm-hmm. that we feel like we know and we want to have be a certain way. Yeah. And you know, that whole—I mean, we, we were in that whole moment, kind of in the early aughts, right, where mm-hmm. we were really into retelling. Um, the villain's story as the hero, um,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> and you know, we had Wicked and like all of those things happening, and I was like, oh, this is cute. But yeah, those of us that were always just like, nope, I'm thrown down for full evil. I like full evil. Like I have no need to make these people nice. <laughs> I think it did. I left a lot of us with the sense of like, I don't need to empathize with these people. I like them being mean. It's yeah, like th- it's taking care of my Jungian shadow self <laughs> and it's exactly. serving a purpose. Like why make this person nice? <laughs> there's
0: there's a point where you're just like, look, sometimes people are just inherently bad, and that's fine. I don't. Need their super terrible backstory to understand why they're evil. Sometimes they're just bad. Um, my uh, my roommate in college would play. Uh, I think was it Shadow of the Republic? Uh, uh, yeah. What
1: is it? Oh God! I, I, I'm gonna. Be terrible now because I haven't gotten to all of my interviews. I mean, it's Star Wars: The Old Republic is the video game. Yes, well. yes, that's about, it.
0: Yeah. That, yeah, Old Republic. That's what it was. There yeah. was there was a few of them. He he played a lot of games while I was trying to read books, um, yeah. and uh, so I would watch him play and because in that game you got to, based on your choices, you would go, like, dark side, light side, you know. Right. And, and I used to get, like, on his case about he went so white knight with everything he was doing. And and I kind of looked at him one time, and I was just like, dude, you have this opportunity <laughs> to, like, make all of the terrible decisions with no actual real-world moral mm-hmm. implications. But you can't even let yourself do that. You want to go complete white knight, and and this was an argument he and I would have back and forth. It's like, like, wouldn't you just want to see what happens if you made all the, the jerky? Like, I was so the devil on his shoulder like half the time. <laughs> You're like, give in to fear, give in to hate. Oh You're man! <laughs> like if, little little mini Palpatine on the shoulder. Basically, I was like this mini like female Palpatine going, "Yes, come on, um, <laughs> like, okay. be a jerk sometimes. It's okay, we all do it." <laughs> It's okay to kill a couple of young ladies, whatever, it's fine.
1: <laughs> I think, this is like, you know, my, my other, you know, ostensible day job is that I, I am a psychologist and oh. I do think that I, there's like some really beautiful kind of Rorschach quality to the story that we gravitate toward I uh-huh. think the, and the little like where's our like safety valve? where are the places where we get to I think in a, in a perfectly like safe and ethical way right like yeah. I'm a big fan of like, get your villainy out in cosplay and role playing games mm-hmm. like that's actually totally the appropriate place but it is it's um really compelling to see where people People are drawn, and I love talking with folks for this project who um, really resonated with like the Jedi, with the concepts of the Jedi code. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, um, Maggie in Seattle read—I'm not sure if it'll make it into the final cut—but she read on camera this Jedi code that a community member had written in 1977, mm-hmm. based on the. It's probably less than six lines that Obi Wan has about who the Jedi were and what they were about, and what the forces mm-hmm. like this was. These were very sparsely drawn. But this Jedi code was completely, like to my ears at least, just resonated utterly with yeah. everything. that My forty years of Star Wars fandom now has made me like understand and know about the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And when I get to talk with fans who are really Jedi identified, who are often like you know working in nonprofits or NGOs and like doing a certain kind <laughs> of work in the world, where I'm just like, oh, look at that! Like this, these were these are clearly things that resonate throughout the whole of your life. Like mm-hmm. this helps. You identify yourself in the world in this way that um, that is informed by this. And there's an interesting connection around folks um, who have, like, a very strong personal faith and folks who also really, like, resonate with, like, Jedi as well. Um, yeah, it's, that's, it's, yeah,
0: it's just really interesting to me. No, it, it and it is, and I think, I mean, because I don't want to, like, completely bash the, the prequels, but it happens sometimes. Um like. <laughs> But th- I feel like with the prequels, there was this kind of sense that that Lucas, to a degree, didn't really understand the world he had crafted, or how it had gotten away from what he had originally created. Because there are scraps in the original trilogy. I mean, you get, you know, kind of the, the initial hero story in, in A New Hope, uh, you get far more of the, uh, the Jedi training kind of fleshed out through Yoda, definitely. Um, mm. But... I mean, this might be something that is covered more in the in the extended universe, maybe, like exactly what the Jedi are about, because I don't feel like you could get that from the prequels, because right. the, the Jedi just come out as, like, worse in, in a lot of ways, in, in ways I'm not really comfortable with sometimes.
1: Right? Did you watch Clone Wars? Did you watch any of the animated Yes, um, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought Clone Wars did a really great job of fleshing out um, the... What was complicated about having the Jedi Be um, also a part Of the military arm Mm -hmm. Of the Republic right And and there's something really um, Complex in all of that And you know I do I think one of the things The prequel shows is What happens in that space And what was it It was like 25 years between It was 77 And it was closer to like 22 years Between um, A New Hope And uh, Phantom Menace Mm -hmm. And in that period of time that two things happened i think um, my assumption is that george lucas the you know the, the creator of this world who toiled over creating this world mm-hmm. maintained his own internal vision of what it was and he's given uh, lots of really interesting interviews about um about his process and about how he imagined this world and, you know, his own fluctuations in Mm -hmm. his storytelling process. And then in that same amount of time, fandom had 20-plus years of writing a trillion books and comics (laughs) and, like, doing some, like... High end world building. Mm-hmm. And those two things were not necessarily in communication with each other. Yeah. And so when the prequels came out, it's like, yeah, no, I think that I think Lucas entirely knew what his story was. I just think it was his story at that point, not the story of Star Wars fans. Because Star Wars fans mm-hmm. has had twenty two years of creating, you know, all of this material and sitting with these characters. Um, and that the there was a cognitive um, dissonance that happened between those two visions for fans of the original trilogy and fans of the extended universe who'd been like in those fan trenches for that long. And then for folks for whom that was the first thing they'd ever seen, I think that's a part of why that experience can have all the magic Mm -hmm. that I experienced seeing A New Hope in 1977, because that was their, their first moment, right? Like Padme Amidala was their first, like, strong female protagonist and mm-hmm. Darth Maul was their first like super scary villain. Yeah. And that like it, it worked.
0: I mean, I'll um, give him Darth Maul. Like that, <laughs> that guy is a freaky looking. So. Oh, God, I love Maul so much. I actually, because
1: I clearly have so much time, which I do not in the middle of the arc, I'm, like in production on this film. And my self care this last week has been, um, rewatching the Maul arc.
0: Oh, um,
1: all arcs in clone wars. Mm-hmm. Um, just so good. They're so good. And you know, that's, that's Lucas. Like that was the Clone Wars very much had his storytelling stamp on it. Mm Um, so it's, yeah, it's, it's just on a creative process level. It's, it's kind of, um, dazzling and compelling that all of this stuff gets created and then fan creativity is, is amazing.
0: No, it's, yeah, it's always, uh, it just blows my mind. Cause I'm not necessarily like crafty. Like I like to write and everything, but like people, like I, one of my friends is actually part of the 501st. Uh. Um, and she also, uh, makes her own armor. Like she's making, uh, I think she's currently working on, uh, kind of a Mandalorian, uh, armor. And and just like how much time and effort and energy she puts into this and like not even knowing if it's gonna be ready by the next con. Like, you know, yeah. she's got a, a kid she's raising as well with her husband and so it's like life can sometimes get in the way, but it's just like this dedication to making this armor because of how much she identifies with, not necessarily Boba Fett, but with the Mandalorians in, in general. Yeah. <laughs> like.
1: It's amazing to me. I I'm getting to talk with a bunch of the folks in the costuming organizations, like the charitable costuming organizations, mm-hmm. but then I've also become incredibly compelled by droid builders. And we actually got to speak with um, a woman outside of Portland who has, you know, really like, she's got three 3D printers in her home and <laughs> the, the, the things that she is creating are are, like, completely magnificent. Um, and women in droid building is one of those places where I think gender stereotypes and fandom stereotypes just like collide head on. Oh, really? Um, because I think there is such an assumption, and I think it is actually true that it's a, you know, it's an engineering heavy, predominantly male arena Mm. and when I started digging around on this project because you know you go to cons you go to celebration and you see these like you know astromechs rolling around on the con floor (laughs) and I you know like I am a Grown ass woman with two graduate degrees, and I am like, that is magical, <laughs> right? Like, I'm <laughs> <we> chasing R two <laughs> down the hall because it's just like amazing, and he seems like completely real, even though I can clearly see the dude who's like, you know, stealthily operating him behind his back. Um,
0: well, it's like but- it's like interacting with the Muppets. I think it's just you know, you you come to view them as real people. Like if you were presented with Kermit, you would just want to interact with Kermit, not the I mean, guy with his arm
1: of it, it. Yeah, The guy would be standing right there, right? Like, yeah. it's not even, like, when you're, you know, kicking it with, like, you know, Mickey Mouse or Stitch at Disneyland. Yeah. And you're like, I'm going to ignore the fact that you are clearly, like, some 18-year-old, you know, girl <laughs> in this costume. I am going to be like, oh, my God, it's Mickey Mouse, and, like, jump up and down and have all the feels. There we um, go. But it's, it's amazing to see women in this field, and um, women who have, you know, like, created, again, online um, social media networks, and, and so it's, it's, it's great being able to um, feature some of those stories. Mm-hmm. And then I, I personally have, um, have a, a strong belief that things like craft, the things that we tend to assign as craft, which includes the stuff that's um, that you, you make but without electronics, Mm -hmm. right, so it might involve a hot glue gun and a pom-pom, but not a circuit board, Um, or that it involves cooking or fashion or these things that we tend to relegate to um, homemaker activities, Mm -hmm. are no less gear-intensive and um, no less, like, techie and geeky than folks who are playing with a 12-sided dice or a circuit board or, you know... Um, any of the things that we regard as being somehow more masculine, like a role-playing game, like video games, stuff oh, for like sure, this.
0: Yeah. No, um, m- um, my friend, uh, Katie, uh, actually, Catherine Elhoffer, um, uh, she crafts, uh, Star Wars-themed clothing, um, as part of one of her, uh, uh fashion lines. Uh, awesome. Yeah, she she does, like, she calls it, like, nerd stealth kind of stuff, or geek stealth, uh, clothing. <laughs> Oh, it's so good, like, and I think she actually does, oh, I think she designed a dress for Janina, oh, I'm going to get the written names all wrong, it's been a while, <laughs> like, but I can send you the stuff or whatever, because she's just, she's absolutely amazing, you should totally talk to her at some point. Yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah, oh, And I
1: love that, right, like, and that's, I think, often when I'm talking with women, there's a sense of, like, oh, well, I just do fashion, or I just do crafts, or I just do, like, you know, food things, and this way that I'm, like, these are these are, like, actually... Significant and valid pursuits mm-hmm. um, And you look like, I'm a like, I, 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 I'm a filmmaker but like I'm also like I'm a camera operator and That is a vast black hole Of gear and tech yeah. And you know and Reddit. and And subreddits about you know what your gear and tech should be um and i can look at that and then i can look at the part of me that likes to make like lino cuts or Mm -hmm. you know blue pom-poms together (laughs) and i'm like this is all the same these are this this is the same stuff it's just you know the the nouns have changed the the gear that i'm using has changed Mm -hmm. but we feminize one and then that makes it a little less valuable and we masculinize the other and that makes it more valuable.
0: Yeah. No, uh, no, I mean, uh, yeah, a few friends and I, we watch, um, so I'm really into critical role right now, which is a, you know, a D and D live stream. Um, uh, which, ha- I mean, I, and I've watched some of the interviews with the, uh, the, the actors and everything, and, and what really strikes me is, like, how many women have also been coming out to those cons and just telling them, like, look, I'm finally running my own game, I'm finally doing this, because it, yes. it felt like it, it was finally available to me in a way that yes. it currently wasn't, you know, that it previously hadn't been, and, and the same thing with Star Wars, the same thing with a lot of, you know, sci-fi fantasy, uh, you know, these nerd geek spaces, you know, there's just a lot more women who are finding it's, it's like, we finally have these places, we're going to fight for them, and we're going to show exactly what we can do, you know, because uh, we've kind of been keeping it to ourselves, and now we have an audience, you know, and it's time for them to see what we can do.
1: Right? Yeah. That's it. That's it. And it is, I mean, one of the things I love about getting to have the conversations with other women in fandom is that in addition to there being that often just, like, tacit understanding of what happens when something goes wrong, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think about, like, folks in community who've recently talked about experiences of as, like, you know, being non-consensually, um, like, touched or harassed while in cosplay. or yeah. You know, these things that, again, like basically 100% of women have experienced some ha- some sort of boundary infringement or having to, like, reassert or protect a boundary yeah. um, against an unwanted form of attention or touch, right? This is a pretty universal experience. Mm-hmm. And and when you're in that space that's kind of curated by and for women, um, there can be, I think, a greater understanding that, like, yeah, no, that, that sucks. Yeah, You just get to go to the, like, like ugh. Um, whereas in those more co-ed spaces, and I've actually, I saw this happen on Twitter last week, there's often this, like, you know, like, legitimate questions, like, well, what were you doing? <laughs> <laughs> and what was your costume? Congrats. And where were you? And this way yeah. they was just like, hello, Department of Microaggressions, I am not in the office, I'm not available to take your call. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um. And so it's, it's nice, like, you know, we have that, I think it's nice to have those spaces where we can acknowledge some of the barriers to access and obstacles that we sp- experience. Um, and also when I'm having these conversations with women, what I'm really having conversations about is Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, it, and this isn't to be kind of like gender blind or color blind, it's to say like, you know, women in all of our various intersectional identities bring that identity to our fandom. Yeah. And we have, I think, just this like genuine, compelling, stuff to say about what those stories and what that fandom means Mm -hmm. and so it's nice to shift that lens around a little bit and that's why we we finished up a Kickstarter last month and we had a lot of guys really enthusiastic about this project and I was really happy to see that I was happy Mm -hmm. to see guys recognize that well this is a project by and for women um, and by and about women that like we really want guys to be listening to these stories and Mm -hmm. like watching this film and taking this in because that's a part of how they're going to be able to go back to their like bros and <laughs> foster really great, inclusive
0: geek communities. Yeah, no, it's 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 always one of those things where you know it's it's great when you can get all the women on board, but yeah, we need to get the guys kind of understanding like this 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 thing isn't just for you, it's for all of us. That's and it. we all share an experience of how we, you know, got into it, how we interpret it, how we celebrate it. Um, exactly. and, all and that, you know, dismantling misogyny in fandom is actually not my job. Yeah. I, <laughs> what?
1: I actually, I have a Lego Death Star that I would like to build, and while I'm building that, guys, go out there and
0: dismantle. Yeah. That
1: in geek culture, so that when I'm done with my Death Star, I can come out and have a really fun place to play.
0: Well, if like you and have I, a doctor, that, that means you're more qualified, right? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a couple of degrees, you can go and dismantle the massage in you come on. I know, right? It's like, no, but like, for real, like, unless, like, this is that, it's that, like, you know, unpaid labor, right? There yeah, we go.
1: Labor. Like, and I love the folks who are like, well, just come and explain it to me, and it's like, Y'all need to be giving folks a consulting rate Mm -hmm. and then, you know, maybe we will come and do that. But no, I I, I appreciate vastly the guys that are like, okay, I want to get this. Mm -hmm. And then particularly, this is like my big Man, it's dusty in here. (laughs) Kind of moment that happened during the Kickstarter with these guys that were pledging at the level that gets your name in the thank you in the credits Uh at the end credits of the film that were writing asking if they could put their daughter's name in instead of theirs. And I I was just like, "We're gonna be okay." Yeah is a part of what we're talking about like these guys who are clearly really interested in creating spaces where their daughters um can step into this thing that they also love right Mm -hmm. like clearly the fandom is shared and they want to make sure that like the women in their lives are getting to like have equal access to that space
0: no that's that's so cool i mean uh so i mean just to give you kind of my uh my my star wars origin story in 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 my own way because that was how my dad and i would bond is. Nice. Yeah, I mean, when because uh, when I was born, all the movies had already come out. you know, so because um, I was born in eighty four, so mm-hmm. right after Jedi, um, Return of the Jedi, basically, uh, and so to kind of you know bond with my sister and I, he we we would rent the uh, the original trilogy as well as the Indiana Jones trilogy, <laughs> nice, and watch those <laughs> in a weekend. <laughs> so, right, I got a lot of Harrison Ford in my life. I'm just gonna yeah. say. It was a
1: good era. We were all kind of raised by Harrison Ford, right? And um, and I I think we turned out okay for it. Yeah,
0: oddly enough, my (laughs) nephew's my nephew's name is Harrison. So So that's great. There we go. But yeah, so it was one of those things where it's like that's he was trying to share that with my sister and I to the point where like I could watch. Like a sliver of any one of those movies on television and know exactly which movie it was because we'd watched it so many times. I love that.
1: I love that. I love the stories. Like, it's been great. The father daughter stories have been. Yeah, especially wonderful to mm-hmm. get to hear about. And then also these, like, mothers who are passing it on to their kids, because oh, I yeah. think we also think of it as something that children are inculcated into versus this thing that, like, grown women will sometimes come to.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah.
1: talk with, like Women who were actually grown-ups in 1977 and loved Star Wars and, you know, like, tapped into it and then passed it forward. Like, these are just all... Um, They're they're kind of wonderful stories, but they also speak to, I think, the ways that we as communities come together and pass down knowledge and build connection and relationship.
0: Mm Um, I mean, in terms of when you were talking to people, was there a place that you were surprised that, you know, the fandom took you? Or, like, you mean, you've talked to someone who, you know, has all these, you know, uh, fanfic and, you know, the builders and, but was there a place that you were just surprised it kind of took you in terms of where that Star Wars fandom kind of landed?
1: Well, I mean, aside from just, like, actual like actual appreciation for the prequels which I really was like how am I gonna do this how am I gonna like because you really want to have like a good connection with folks that you're talking with so for sure there's a transference of trust that's really important it has to be authentic and you know my subjectivity is certainly a part of all of this so I was Mm -hmm. I was really pleased with that um I think that you know this is the thing that has been surprising thus far is that and I cannot say that this is something that will actually end up on screen, but on in interviews, in almost every interview, there's a moment where whomever I speak am speaking to starts to cry, and they are very surprised that they're crying.
0: Oh.
1: And I am not Barbara Waltering these interviews. I swear, <laughs> We're just like having these like kind of you know conversations about Star Wars, but it's almost always around a moment in which a story is being told about. Um, being seen or recognized, or having this part of them show up fully. Mm-hmm. And I think we can have our own interior dialogue about that. Mm-hmm. And we can, you know, intellectualize it or tweet about it. But there's something about actually just sitting down with another woman and talking about this moment when um, you experience something significant in relationship to your Star Wars fa- fandom and some other moment in your life mm-hmm. that's been. Really affecting to folks, um, and not like in a traumatic or tragic way, even just in a like people really have some feels. Yeah, and it's and it's beautiful. Like it's it's just really I feel very grateful for folks being so sort of open and giving in interviews. But I've been surprised by um, by just like yeah how 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 much feeling and emotionality there is, and to me it speaks also to how much I think isolation often happens in fandom, and I suspect this is probably. Across gender orientations, Mm -hmm. actually, as well. But it shows up pretty uniquely for women. Um, That there's something about realizing you're getting to show up fully. Yeah. And that that's really like a kind of a oh my gosh moment when folks
0: have it. Yeah, it's not only just seeing, seeing an aspect of yourself or seeing yourself fully, but it's the acknowledgement of your existence. Yeah. That is just so, I mean, in. And it's hard to describe that to a lot of people sometimes. We were just like, no, I actually get someone I can fully kind of connect with that isn't, you know, forced down my throat or just kind of there in the background who I kind of had to see. Like, oh, oh, there they Yeah, they're right there. You know, it's, you yeah, know, especially with um, The Force Awakens. I mean, I had much more of a visceral reaction to that movie than I really ever did with the original trilogy. I mean, uh... despite that fact that, you know... I watched it a lot growing up. It was never my Star Wars. It was it was my father's Star Wars, or like even my cousin's Star Wars because he was older than me. But it was like the first time when I saw that movie that I was just kind of like, "This is amazing!" and I love Star Wars all over again.
1: Oh my goodness, isn't that great? And yes. Yes, I love this is the thing that's true, right? Is that we all have. Like every generation gets the Star Wars story. Mm-hmm. Like we get to have our story, and again, that's why the folks who are the the generation of the prequels—that's their story. Yeah, and I am—I'm going to go to bat for them for that being their story. You I'm do, you
0: man. <laughs> I will.
1: I'm not going to sit down and watch them again myself, but I'm going to go to bat for
0: them. <laughs> I will defend your right to, to, <laughs>
1: that's to it. love them. That's it. I, I feel like you—we all have like our own little like oh why you know here's my dream project i'm gonna just i'm gonna start saying this in interviews so maybe it'll happen (laughs) i just want dave filoni to animate the prequels oh there we go and just make them in that form Mm -hmm. like do them in the in the style of the clone wars (laughs) keep the plots exactly the same bring the voice actors in and um and i do feel like all of the things that The the story concepts that I love in those would would render fabulously an animation. Right. Just just putting it out there. And an Obi-Wan solo movie, and also that Lupita and Rihanna thing that
0: looks great. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Got it done. Um,
1: (laughs) No, but I love that. I love that we all get to have a a place that we tap into,
0: and that that's our story story. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what have you seen? Uh, I mean, in terms of your own opinion of Star Wars, like going forward with how they've been approaching, you know, the, the movies now, cause you know, I, I'll fully admit that Force Awakens is basically a new hope. I mean, it's just, you know, window dressing and everything, but it works, you know, in its own way. So are, I mean, are you optimistic going forward with the Star Wars movies? And I mean, even with Rebels kind of wrapping up as well, like, uh, ah. does, does the future look bright to you for Star Wars? I mean, like,
1: as a fan, and particularly as a, as an original trilogy fan that then went through the kind of bumps that came up for a lot of fans around the prequels, mm-hmm. I have the same sort of um, guarded optimism, right, <laughs> where it's like, we all know what it's like to have one of these things not fit for us, mm-hmm. and that disappointment was really palpable. Yeah. Um, some of us were able to keep our big panties on and <laughs> not scream and shout about it, um, <laughs> or create idiotic refrains around. Comparing it to sexual assault, okay. <laughs> fanboys, I'm looking at you. Um, but uh, we know what it's like to have the disappointment, and it's really sharp. So
0: mm-hmm. um, I know, like when I went to see, I was so scared to see Force Awakens. I was like, Oh, I can't handle another disappointment. Right? But, no, I was the same way. I was, I was like, I don't want right. another prequel. I, and I was, and, I, and then I loved it so much. And then Rogue One, similarly,
1: I was just like, Well, so it feels a little like, it feels a little like movie roulette, where it's like, Well, look at it. What at some point. You're going to fire one of these off and it's going to be a dud. Yeah. Um, And I'm going to be fine with that because it's movie making and this is the difference between our myths and our stories, which Mm -hmm. take on like, you know, like a role sometimes like religion in our lives. And like a production company that's making a series of films that can, you know, be everything, but they don't have to be everything. Yeah. If that... Turn to phrase makes sense. No. So So, you know, I love where they're going. I do love the animation. Um, I am sorry that Rebels is ending, but I also love the fact that they're clearly, like, telling an arc and then moving on to the next thing. I'm a huge Dave Filoni fan. Mm-hmm. I think on a storytelling level, um, the work that's coming out of the animation department is brilliant and um and yeah, like you know, again, I'm a I'm a grown woman in my mid forties with a couple graduate degrees. That's just like at the TV
0: ready yep. <laughs> for when Rebels no, comes on. No, I'm I'm with um, you. I got a master's of my own. and I'm just like I was like I I watch Rebels and I'm like Harrison Dula is so amazing. <laughs> uh, so, and this is I am actually one of the things that I'm
1: um I am working on in my own kind of like participant observation factors with the film is actually, um, trying my hand for the first time at proper cosplay, which is going to involve some Hera. And I'm so excited about it. And I'm also very aware of the fact that I'm like putting a lot of like energy and resources into a costume for a character that is going to, um, somehow get rotated out possibly. So that's intense. And, um, yeah, like, but, you know, she's, like, the best space mom, and I love her. Oh,
0: she's so I great. Have... Like, her and Kanan, I'm just kind of like, just, already, come on, get with it. Like, give it the program.
1: <laughs> I love them. It's so great. It's so great. Um, I'm curious. I don't know how I'm going to make it through The Last Jedi. i got to be honest. Mm. Um, oh, yeah. And, you know, like, I'm trying. I've got some, there's some f- things around fandom and, um, and the, the line phenomenon that we're hoping to film for that, that I won't say too much about because we're still putting pieces together. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I think about it, I get kind of choked up and teary.
0: Yeah.
1: And so it's hard to imagine how I'm going to be able to sit in that theater knowing I'm seeing Carrie Fisher's last performance as General Organa. Yeah. No, that's and a gut punch. So that has, um, you know, that's intense thinking about that, that process.
0: Yeah, no. When she, she, and I
1: know I'm not alone in that. I know that like many, many people are experiencing
0: that. No, like when she, when yeah, when she passed away, like not only her, but I mean, in my household, we grew up with a lot of like like I've seen a lot of Debbie Reynolds movies as well. So, like, just that gut punch of of not only Carrie Fisher, but then her mother at this, you know, the with the day after, and it's just like, what the hell, you know? And I don't know, like Carrie Fisher. It reminds me of my mom in a lot of ways so like just in their attitude like I, I don't know it was just this really weird thing where I was just really attached to my mom for a little bit where I'm like I'm just gonna hug you for a while like just yes. just stay here <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, fully, right? But, like, you're gonna be my, my, my Carrie Fisher stand in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: No, no, I, yeah. It, I don't, every once in a while, I don't think about it, and then, like, you start thinking about it, and you're just like, oh, shit. <laughs> I am gonna right. have to deal with those emotions when it happens. Right. Right. Oh. Yeah. Yep. But then, Ray and Kylo Ren get to, like, go on their journey of training, yeah. I think. So. i mean i love those characters like mm-hmm. i it's so funny i was at celebration in 2015 oh and yeah they trotted all the actors out on stage and my brother and i right my, mm-hmm. my star wars buddy and i we
1: we're there redresses I the wonder
0: just, twins did he finally commit not,
1: we did not we did not wonder twins <laughs> damn <It was>, no. hey <laughs> that would have been a little hilarious at a star wars celebration right but let's just say like that would have been great <laughs> i'm making that for the future um but, yeah, there was a sense of, like, well, I don't know who these people are. These aren't... This isn't my Star Wars, right? Mm-hmm. That's the feeling you have. I don't know who these people are. These, this isn't my Star Wars. And um, and I was skeptical, and I was like, I'm never going to have the same emotional feeling that I have about Han, Luke, and Leia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I've seen The Force Awakens a few times now. <laughs> and, after, and after the first viewing, there was that just sense of, like, I love I love these characters. I know exactly who they are. Yeah. And that's fandom, right, is when we feel like we know who these people are and that somehow they would know who we are mm-hmm. right that we would somehow have that in-universe connection um which is i think the um the mark of a really successfully drawn character and a really well-drawn story that it's broad enough that as as audience as fans we can project ourselves into it
0: oh for sure uh, yeah no like just you know I, again it's that kind of thing where they don't have to give you all the information immediately and i i it was I don't know it was just one of those things where like at the end of it like I don't actually care who Ray's parents are I mean when they tell me it's probably going to be whatever but right now I just love Ray like, I love yeah. who she is, what she's doing. I love her relationship with Finn. I mean, she didn't really interact with uh, with Poe all that much, but I love Poe and Finn's relationship. Like, oh, yeah. the fastest friendship. Oh, my God. Right? Few, I know it's like a thing, but I'm just like, I'm going to hold on to that until they tell me I can't have it. Exactly. Anymore. Like, until they show me in the movie <laughs> that it's not happening, I'm assuming it's happening. Like, just that, right? that, like, the fastest friendship ever. Like, oh, my God, are we escaping? Okay, yeah. Are we best friends? Oh, yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs>
1: love them so much. Love them so much. Oh man!
0: Yeah, it's just—it's yeah, yeah. so good.
1: It's so good.
0: Um, but yeah, like just for a movie to come out and so quickly get like pretty much everybody on board with it, like that's that's kind of the mark of something special. When you're just yeah. like, no, it's okay to love Star Wars again, guys. It's okay. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, fully. And it was, it's like, you know, I thought it was, it was like the casting on that was really beautiful, but also the way that it was put together. And I have no problem with it having tremendous hat tips to A New Hope. Mm -hmm. Um, For a huge amount of audiences, A New Hope is actually not terribly accessible to them, because they are under 20. And that's going to look just kind of cheesy and boring to them.
0: Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because they
1: grew up with Jurassic Park, like they grew up with like these things that look, you know, even that would probably be I mean, that, that Jurassic Park is too
0: old for some time. No, Jurassic Park <laughs> still that, holds up, man.
1: <laughs> yeah, right? Um, I mean, I'll tell you what holds up
0: is Alien and Blade Runner. Like, these are
1: actually, like, if we go to there the go. Route where a lot of my science fiction mm-hmm. fandom comes from, Those it's, it's, a, it's those two Ridley Scott films that are in like my go. route in a lot of ways.
0: Your fandom's um, and they, showing.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. But, um, yeah, it was, I think that they, it, it actually is not facile to put together that kind of formula. That formula is, like, fundamental and archaic and in a lot of ways cross-cultural and something that can be looked into from so many different angles. Mm-hmm. And, I, yeah, I thought it was really masterfully done.
0: It's like, yeah. and,
1: and so, like, that's the part of it. I get, I get, I get excited and hopeful for the next films. And you know, one of the nice things about this documentary being about the phenomenology of fandom mm-hmm. is that I get to have my own like fan experiences and fan opinions but the film is not about like lucasfilm or about the films it's not film critique Mm -hmm. Um, it's not investigative journalism (laughs) it's really about like i'm going to be able to speak to a handful of women about what moves them and about how they personally experience their fandom how it shows up in their lives
0: yeah no and i'm super excited to see it (laughs)
1: And so it's it's nice. I'll have these conversations sometimes with folks who'll be like, "Well, do you feel like you can be objective?" And I'm like, "No, and (laughs) I don't have to be. That's actually not my job here. My job is to, you know, is to be a good phenomenological filmmaker, which which I can do. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I, there's a you know series of processes that go into making sure that folks show up authentically on film. Um, But because I'm not making an opinion piece on on Lucasfilm or anything else. It's actually very liberating. As well, because in addition to not having to worry about getting in trouble, <laughs> which, <laughs> let's just be honest, like we would all like to stay out of trouble, mm-hmm. um, it means I can have some conversations about my own personal viewpoints, and they just remain that. They're just my personal viewpoints.
0: No, exactly. And, um, um, and, 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 it, and it's, Star
1: Wars fans, we have viewpoints, right? Star Wars no. fans are an
0: opinionated lot. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, the the beauty of a documentary like this is, yeah, you, you get to express your fandom by also experiencing it through other people, which is how we do fandom in the first place. Like, we experience. Exactly our own fandom through the eyes of others at times because we get to have that shared experience i mean when you finally meet someone who's into a thing that you're into and you can kind of connect on that level it's like that's like that's the whole world sometimes you know because those moments can be fleeting so it's like you just grab onto it you're like you're never leaving me
1: (laughs) had this feeling leaving celebrations before this like horrible calm drop, right? Mm, yeah. When you realize I'm not going to be able to just have conversations about Star Wars for like 12 hours a day, right, with strangers <laughs> and have it be great. <laughs> like I, I'm not going to be able to re-enter the world and and do this and not get some pretty serious side eyes from folks, so. right?
0: Yeah, like when I go back to work after a convention where I've yeah, like been three to four days of just having these nonstop geek conversations about whatever the hell it was. And then going back into work where not all of my coworkers are into those things. You're just like, but I want to talk about this and I don't know what to talk about with. (laughs) It's like like this feeling of onset depression where you're like, no, it
1: is though. It is. It is. I was listening to some podcasts after celebration this last, this last April or April. Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I did, I found it got kind of misty, because I, I waited a couple of weeks, and then when folks started, like, you know, posting their post-celebration podcast, was listening to things, and just had that sense of, like, oh, I just want to be back there. Even though when you are there, all you're doing is bitterly complaining about the food and the lines.
0: Oh, for sure, okay? yeah. <laughs>
1: but, but then afterwards, it's like
0: childbirth. It's just like, no, no, I want to have another. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was so great. Was <laughs> <I> exactly. <laughs> It's like never mind that there were a bunch of people like standing around me and I'm kind of claustrophobic and people weren't wearing deodorant sometimes and <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah Absolutely. but I mean that's a terrible place to kind of put it but uh we are a, a, a little bit over an hour here um be, and
1: let's end on crowds without a sufficient deodorant yes I think that's everything we need to say today. I, I
0: feel like that's a very important place to stop <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah before we do uh wrap it up um uh first of all i mean you're in the middle of filming but do you guys have kind of a projected idea when the documentary will be finished or is coming out at all I don't have um, a firm date
1: right now, but I am very much trying to get all of our principal photography done this year so Mm -hmm. that we will be in post-production early 2018 and hopefully have it out for folks to be able to see sometime next year. Um, Festival schedules and premiere dates can get kind of fuzzy at that point, depending on what turns out to be the best home for it. But it's a, it's a timely film and we really wanted to be able, I just wanted to be able to to push it forward as much as possible. So we're, we're on a pretty tight
0: schedule with that. Excellent. And uh, so if, people would wish to uh find you and chat star wars or even like look up uh, uh looking for leia where might they go to then
1: they can find us on YouTube webs
0: <laughs>
1: um, our website is www.lookingforleia.com they can find us on twitter at leia fangirl film all one word mm-hmm. leia fangirl film folks are welcome to connect with me on the tweets as well at dr underscore ophelian but you know you can find me off of the uh looking for Leia Twitter probably a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. Um, we're on Facebook, facebook.com slash looking for Leia. All the usual suspects. If you go to lookingforleia.com, our social media icons are there and you can connect with us. There is a form on lookingforleia.com that if you feel like you have a particularly compelling Star Wars story or know someone that you feel like we really should be talking to, that window is still open and you're welcome to reach out with your feelings yeah. and contact us through the website. <laughs> um, and of course, we did finish a Kickstarter campaign which was successful and great and still represents just about a fifth of our um, production Budget, and so if folks are feeling like generous or they'd like to contribute to the project in some way, um, our PayPal information is on the site, and you're always welcome to um, join in with the independent documentary filmmaking process um, in in that fashion as well.
0: Sweet, and, and I'll put all those links into the uh, the page once the uh, the uh, uh, podcast goes live as well, so they'll they'll all be there for people to click on and and awesome. hopefully connect uh, at their will. So. But uh, Annalise, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate uh, us finally being able to do this and, and talk. So. Uh, thank
1: you so much. Yeah. Is, I, I love getting to do it again. I have this like great life. I get to talk with girls about geeky things all the time. Yay. This is totally awesome. Thank you. Yeah.
0: No, and you are welcome back anytime. Even if you, if it, even if it isn't Star Wars related, you can come <laughs> on. We can talk about whatever because I <laughs> nice. feel like that'll happen. <laughs> like. I
1: love it. I love it. I'm
0: ready for it. Thanks so much. Um, well, on behalf of that girl with the curls, uh, thank you once again and uh, good night, everybody.